Well everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 23 of the Inline G Flute Podcast with me, your host, motherfucking Inline G. How are you guys? How are you guys getting on? I haven't haven't asked you in a long time how you guys are doing. I'm always talking about me on this podcast. How are you getting on? I hope you haven't had a lovely day so far, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I'm really glad that you're here to listen, whether you're a first time listener or you're an old head back for more. I really appreciate it. Last week, I got my Spotify rap numbers, the first ever Spotify rap of this podcast, and I'll be sharing those numbers later, because lads, fuck me, I am delighted with them. I, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy making this podcast. It is wonderful. It is my creative outlet, my greatest creative outlet. It brings me so much meaning and joy and happiness in my life to do this, even if there's times like today where I couldn't be fucked recording an episode. Sitting down to record, and when it's all set up, and my lovely new lights are here, and my episode's written, and I've got a drink, this is it. This is the fun bit. Now I just have a blast. So, we're solo again this week. It's just me on my lonesome, but I've got a big topic for you, as usual. Yeah, I spoiled you guys in this, uh, this podcast. Last week's episode was a fucking blinder with The Wild Flute. Jay Marsh, aka The Wild Flute. It flew by in recording. And after we finished recording it, I was like, fuck, that's too long. I'm going to have to edit this. There was so much shite we talked. I just couldn't remember. When I started to go to the editing process, I was like, man, this is full of gold. Like, every few minutes, I'm like, I can't cut that out. That's brilliant. That's also brilliant. So it was a great episode, and I left it up. It was very long, but you guys seem to appreciate it. I've got so, so many nice comments about it. Such great feedback. Fucking brilliant. And it was great to have someone who's now a friend. It was great to have a mate on this podcast. That's what it really is, to be honest. But it was lovely. So I'm very happy with it. I haven't made any clips yet. That's the reason I do the video podcast. Most of the listeners in this podcast are audio, but I do the video clips from the video episodes so they can go out to promote the up the podcast. A lot of people on social media just watch the clips. If one in ten of those people pops into the actual podcast, then happy days. I've got a new follower. But I haven't put any clips out of that episode yet just because it's been a fucking unbelievable week for me. And I'm going to overshare on this podcast because that's what it's all about. And that's what Christmas is all about. And I've had a drink as well. Um, Yeah, this week, I genuinely, for the first time, nearly missed making an episode. It is now Thursday, 22.51. This episode has to go live in nine minutes and one hour. It'll be a little bit late, and I have to get up at the fucking crack it on tomorrow morning. Basically, I'll tell you what happened. I recorded with the Wild Fruit last week. Brilliant. I had loads of plans for a lovely chill day week. Now, it's coming up to Christmas. It's a busy time of year. It was my birthday last week as well, as you guys remember. And on the night of my birthday, the day after, I got a lovely email from my electricity company telling me that there's a huge price increase this year and that I owe them money because of this price increase. They have to adjust the rates in retrospect, so I had to pay them back. And it was to the tune of 400 fucking euros three weeks before Christmas. Now, this is not money that I have three weeks before Christmas, 400 euros. So I had to work a lot this week to cover my ass, and that's why... I haven't had much time to think about the podcast or to record it. Um, as you guys know, actually, this is a good moment to talk about this. I do work a part-time job. I've made no secret of that because I love my part-time job. I work with Bayer Leverkusen Football Club. Currently top of the Bundesliga, top of the German League. One of the best teams in Europe, if not the world at the minute. One of the best club football teams. 21 games unbeaten this year. I fucking love the job. I do stadium tours there in English, French and German. And it's a part-time job that they just ring me up and I tell them when I'm free. And it works great around my teaching schedule. I quit a very prestigious teaching position last year to take this job on instead. Which I will talk about because that teaching position went to the fucking dogs at the end. But I quit it because I love this job. I get to work for a football team. gets me away from music. I adore the job. And what's even better about it is when this whole problem with the electricity money came in, I contacted the club and said, listen, I know I'm a tour guide, but... Any chance of a bit of work over the next week or two, I need some money. Tough times. And they went, Gareth, no sweat at all. And I've been in the warehouse this week. Which honestly, I don't know if you guys get this as musicians or anyone who does that kind of, like a, not a high-end job, but a job that certainly takes a certain amount of cerebral activity. You have to think a lot on your job and you have to be switched on. For years, I thought, fuck, I would love a normal job just for a little while. When I was home last time, I was this, there was a, we went to, me and my girlfriend went to a fish and chip shop in Portrush, a little seaside town in the north of Ireland, and they were looking for staff, and I was like, fuck, that'd be a great job. Just all day, just making chips, and that's it. 
couple of people come in, you give them the wee chips and you move on. I was so jealous of that job because I just want a job that's simple. And this week I've had one. I've been clocking into the factory, going to the warehouse stash factory, get the bus over for an hour every morning, stick on a an album, which we'll talk about, rock up to the factory, take my coat off, say hello to everybody and just get down to a big bit of paper and start filling out orders. Just go to the shop, pick up the orders, put them in a box, print off the label, send it on, rinse and repeat. Four hours, lunch break, four hours again, just with proper lads in there. We don't even, we play music between us and we all just take it in turns to call out a song while we all just sit and pack shit away. There's no thinking, there's no stress, it's just do the job and it is fucking lovely. So do not be ashamed of your side jobs either because, man, it saved my life because I can't just go and pull extra students out of my arse and make more money with music at the drop of a hat. It's difficult to do that. But with this, I can. So it means that I can live and not die like i'm a proud of my side job i think it's great that i i'm very proud of the fact that i can make money that way i'd be more embarrassed if i was one of those fucking music career coaches oh my god if any of you guys are listening you're fucking snakes when that industry gets regulated it's probably regulated here in europe in america it's a lot of state anyway when that industry gets regulated you guys are going down fucking hard and i'm gonna watch you lying snakes there's maybe one or two that's good but it's hard to tell so for you guys that don't know music career coaches, there's a lot of these on Instagram of people like, oh, sign up to my course and you will get more students, you get more concerts, you'll do this. I'm going to coach you how to become a great musician. Often it's, I'll get you more followers on social media. I'll tell you how to create your content and plan it and get brand ambassadorships and all that stuff. And you're like, mate, you've got 400 followers. Go fuck yourself. I'm not listening to you. You want to talk to a social media master? Come to fucking me. All right, come to Inline G. I'll give you it all for free. I'm not going to take a penny off you guys. You want any advice? I'd give it all out for free so I'd put these people to fucking shame. Get them out of business. And I have it in good authority. Fucking good authority. I know this for a fact that a lot of the flute ones that do like build your flute career, they are married to very wealthy men who pay for them to do this. They don't make a living off it. Which, again, there's nothing wrong with having a side job to fund your main career. But do not then pretend, not, don't sell the secret to getting a full-time job in music when you don't have one yourself and you won't disclose that information, you fucking sneaky rat. And now I don't know who to trust because there's people like this reaching out to me all the time on different social media platforms or even just texting me through my website and they want to have a conversation or they comment on shit or they're having a bit of fun. I'm like, are you really having a bit of fun or are you just doing this so that further down the line you can try and sell me something? Because that's happened so much. There was one woman about two years ago, who started talking to me all the time, and I really got on well with her, then she hits me with the, do you want to buy this program, I said, no thank you, I have no money, and never heard from her again, that was it, now, there's people out there, that are listening to this, thinking I'm talking about them, I'm not, anyone who listens to this podcast is lovely, I know the person I'm talking about does not listen to this podcast, because I blocked them on social media, two years ago, but, the people who are listening, that have tried to sell me things, I'm not throwing shade against you guys, because you I'm very open and honest say I have no budget for this podcast. I cannot afford to get people to help with marketing or development or promotion. There's no budget for it. I've been very open and honest and just said, if I have money, I probably would pay someone to help me do it. But at the minute, I'm fucking skint. And the electricity, I make that joke every week of the lights need to stay on. The lights need to get fucking switched off this week. So anyway, I digress. Anyway, I do fucking digress. You guys are the OGs, and we are growing. This podcast is growing. I know I'm fucking eight minutes into this, but this is what I wanted to talk about. Not just the top flute recordings, which we will get to in today's podcast episode, but before we get there, because this might be the last solo episode of the year. I'm not sure yet. I've got guests on, and if there is one during that Christmas week, I'm not sure. I want to get you guys a podcast every Friday. You'll get it during the Christmas week, but it might be when I'm home in Belfast, getting drunk with somebody and doing something fun. But this might be, I think this will be the last solo episode. Anyway, so to wrap that up, Spotify Wrapped came out last year, or last week, last year, last week. Actually, on my birthday it came out. So, I was delighted with my own Spotify rap, first of all, because my top artist for 10 years running has been the Arctic Monkeys, which I'm so proud of. My top song was Unwritten by Natasha Benningfield. My top five artists were the Arctic Monkeys, Busted, um, kneecap, the Irish hip hop group, wet leg, and Heim, fucking belters. But I got another email about the rap for the NNG podcast. I was quite—I'm not gonna lie—I was quite nervous opening this. So let's share the results together. The results on Spotify for this year for the NNG Flute Podcast. We got to sixteen countries. Fuck yeah, man! I was so happy. Sixteen countries around the world are listening to this podcast actually listening not just clicked on it once actually listening 
The top country that's most listened to is the United Kingdom, which I'm surprised at. I thought you Americans would have been doing this. I hate British people as much. <laughs> I don't. I like I like British people. I just don't like English people. I like British people, but I couldn't eat a whole one. <laughs> um, UK was number one. Fucking Brits. And the top five countries in that order. Number one, UK. Number two, Germany. Then the USA in third. France in fourth. And España in fifth. Which I'm delighted with. More importantly, this was a top podcast for 39 people. That means on Spotify, 39 people. You're listening right now, whoever you are. I was your top podcast. And for a podcast that only launched in the second half of the year. And these are yearly numbers. 39 people, I fucking love you guys. This is all for you. God bless you guys. I genuinely nearly cried when I got those numbers. If it was a top podcast for one person that wasn't my mother, I would have been fucking delighted. So 39 people, going since July, unbelievable. And these are only Spotify numbers. We are on other, um, a lot more platforms. So I'm going to share that with you as well, give you exact numbers. I'm going to be totally open, honest, transparent with you. So, these are numbers, overall streaming numbers for the In9G podcast from its conception halfway through this year to right now. Now, these are the number of actual streams, not just plays or impressions. These are people who have listened to the podcast long enough in an episode to count as a stream. I think it's 60 seconds. Um, Some places registered as 45, but in any case, it's not just a click or it's appeared on their list. It's actually been listened to. We've got the three main places we get this from. On Apple, we have had 1,853 streams. On Spotify, we've had 3,982 streams. And on YouTube, we have had 1,921, which makes a total of the three big platforms of 7,756 plays of this podcast. Fucking amazing. Now, that is still a small podcast, but for me, that is unbelievable god fucking bless you guys thank you so much i fucking love you guys for that that is unbelievable so anyway today's episode we're going to get into this uh top five flute albums top five flute albums say that three times fast without drinking a shitty beer top five flute albums of 2023 now it's now today's the 7th of december i'm assuming there's not that many top flute albums to come out in the remaining 24 days of december if there is, I'm sorry, you missed the boat. You can go into next year's one. But this is just for 2023. Now, before I start, I should go without saying, this podcast is opinionated. It is my opinion. Don't fucking come at me. I know I presented like factual information, but that's what we do as Irish people. We talk bollocks and hope that you believe it. So, if you want to come at me, just fucking don't. Or if you really have to come and have a go at me, do it publicly so I can stage a public execution of you. Like I've done with so many people who comment negative. I don't delete negative comments. I never delete them. I fucking bite, man. I, I'm such a sucker for it. On my other podcast, the food pod or the football podcast, the inland, uh, the England B team football podcast, I'm not allowed near the social media accounts because we get much more of a following on that. And I tell people to fuck off. The very first episode we ever got on that, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, the very first episode we ever did of that, the first comment up was a guy saying that my, I was wearing a Northern Ireland football jersey and we said, oh, it's an Irishman. Went, he's not Irish, he's from Northern Ireland. And I replied to him saying, say that to my fucking face. And then my co-host messaged me like, I had to delete that because click on the guy's profile and I clicked on his profile and he's like, the guy was autistic and he helps out children and he works in a charity. And I was like, oh God, man, I've just picked on an autistic kid on the internet. <laughs> and we've only launched the podcast about 30 seconds ago. So I'm not allowed to comment on that stuff. But in the flute one, here, it's just me and a cola beer. <laughs> so I go after you. So if you want to come at me, come at me. Now, secondly, if there is an album that should be, that you believe should be on here but isn't, there is one of two reasons to blame for that. Number one, I probably forgot about it. I probably forgot it got released in 2023, in which case, oops, I'll blame the beer. But also, there's not it's not easy to find top albums of flute. I'm relying entirely on my own experience because there's no real catalogue of this or record of what came out. So, But anyway, most probable reason is I forgot. Or the second reason is you're wrong and your taste in music is shite. And that's why it's not on the list. Because to be honest, I know better. So anyway... Before we get into the top five, what is not on this list? 
First of all, I have listened to Andre 3000's flute album. I have done it. I put it on the bus on the way to work yesterday. Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do this in general when I'm doing this. I'm gonna search up all the albums so I have a reference point when I'm talking. So, New Blue Sun, the Andre 3000 new record. So, for those who don't know, Andre 3000 was the lead singer of Outcast. Not a particularly known guy for playing the flute, I think it's fair to say. He brought out a brand new album this week, known for rapping. There's zero rap in this album, zero vocals. It is purely an experimental flute album as he plays flute, contrabass flute, alto flute, um, traditional flutes, Hawaiian flutes, all that kind of stuff. Um, it is a wild album. The first track is genuinely called, I swear, I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. That's the name of the first track. The second track is called, The slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? This, man, this is the kind of album I'd make. I fucking love this. Fair play to Andrew. Do whatever the fuck you want, man. I love that. You've got enough money. Do what you want. But I did listen to it. I will say, genuinely, I've listened to half of it and I'm not... I'm not insane. I'll listen to the second half at some point, maybe. Um, it's grand. It's a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It sounds nice. It's very pretty. It's not crazy experimental. I think if you're an Andre 3000 fan or an Outcast fan, this is fucking weird. If you're a flute fan, this is not that crazy an album. We have much more experimental albums. It's less experimental than your average contemporary flute album especially for contemporary classical music, so a 20th or 21st century composer, way less contemporary or way less um, crazy than that, way less. So for us, it's just kind of nice. Um, but as far as the flute albums of 2023 go, it's dog shit. So that's why it's not on the list. And what else is not on this list? Americans. There is no Americans on this list. And by the way, this is your fault, America, not mine. I fucking tried I really tried. I want to build some bridges with you guys, with you yanks over there across the pond. So I tried to find one fucking album by an American flutist released in 2023 that wasn't dog shit. And I struggled. I found one that came, that looked interesting. I'm not going to say who it is because I'm going to badmouth it now, but I found one album and I was like, oh, a new release of the Mozart Concertos with the orchestra by a flute player that I don't know. Curious. And then I saw the fucking cover of it, man. Cover. Flute Concerto. Now, this is just a pet peeve of mine. It says the flute player's name. It says Mozart Flute Concertos. It has no mention of who the conductor is or who the orchestra is. And even in the Spotify tracks, no idea. So unless you've bought the physical album, you don't know who's playing on that record. Fucking disgrace. It's not all about the soloist. There's a full orchestra there that are accompanying and there's a conductor. So that instantly made me think, oh, fuck this. But I give it a go anyway. Boring, typically American, boring, vanilla, missionary flute playing. Man, just fucking... What is it about Americans, the way they play the flute? A lot of it is just so... Not all of you, but the vast majority of you. Your flute school, man, it's so overrated. I don't know where you get this idea from. Even Julius Baker. I don't know why so many Americans get a hard-on for Julius Baker. So fucking overrated. Like, yeah, he's a good flute player, but is he anything compared to, like, fucking Jean-Pierre Hompel or... Fucking any European flute player of the same period. No. Oh, man. America, it just seems like your playing is always so one-dimensional and boring and without any kind of culture or education or subtlety to it. It's just, and there's no real school. I think it's shit. But anyway. Sorry. Also, my grandmother told me I have to stop touching my head during the episode. I think it's a nervous thing. Not like nervous and being nervous. Nervous and like a tick. I don't know. Don't know what it is, but I'll blame it on the cola beer, which I will get to later. Sorry, I didn't mean to bad my these that much Americans. The American, there is a couple of good American flute players, obviously, but the general thing of American flutists, there's a lot of yous, fucking thousands of yous, and most yous are dog shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there goes any sponsorship deal I ever hope to get. <laughs> um, also not on the list because I know someone's going to fucking say this tomorrow. Jimmy Galway. Jimmy Galway is not on this list. Mm-hmm. No. I can hear you. But Gareth, nobody's expecting James Galway to be in a list of top flute albums of 2023. I want you to go and look at what day this episode comes out. Then go to Wikipedia and Google Jimmy Galway. 8th of December, this episode comes out. 8th of December is James Galway's birthday. 
James Galway's birthday, aka the start of the annual Who Can Get Their Head Furthest Up Jimmy Galway's Holds competition. Because it is fucking sickening. Man, I am James Galway's biggest fan. You guys know I fucking adore Jimmy Galway. He pops up nearly every episode in this podcast. I have had genuine fights with people, like not physical fights, like verbal arguments with people over how good Jimmy Galway is because it's not an opinion. You can't say Jimmy Galway is bad. That's just not valid as an opinion. You can say you don't like him, but you cannot say he was a bad food player. Not valid. You're wrong if you think that. And I even think you're wrong if you don't think he's one of the greatest food players of all time. If not the greatest. Which he is, in my opinion. You might not like his style, but that's it. In saying that, man, see when it's his birthday. Fucking, fucking Americans, man. Oh my God, people do some wild bootlicking during this period man be coming down with cherry blossom poisoning fucking disgusting how many boots are licking but it's actually cringy it's cringy as fuck the amount of messages and videos and like schools playing for him and all this thing man you've met the guy once 45 years ago he's not your mate you don't have to personally try to get his attention so hard it's embarrassing honestly anyone who doesn't know what i'm talking about go and see the facebook flute forum group the flute forum group on facebook tomorrow or today, when this comes out, you see the amount of hole licking that goes on to Jimmy Galway just to try and get his attention. Honestly, their heads are so far up his hole they could be wearing him as a Christmas jumper. It is embarrassing. Just fucking stop. If you actually know him, text him privately. Send him a happy birthday. Put up a picture of you and him together. But Jesus Christ, the, the lengths that some people go to to get some attention from him is honestly embarrassing. So no, he's not on this episode. He doesn't need to be. And I'm not going to be licking his hole just because it's his birthday. He didn't wish me a happy birthday. He can go fuck himself on his own birthday. But Jimmy, I do love you. You know that very much. If you're listening, I doubt you are. But if you're listening, I love you so much. And you're the number one guest I want in this podcast. Please come on. Please, please, please. Anyway, right, let's go. I haven't got much time left for this. For fuck's sake, I've talked so much bollocks. But we're going to get through this. I actually haven't got many notes on this. This is a very spontaneous episode. I'm running off what I know. I made a list of the top five albums I have for the year. But I haven't actually wrote much about them. Because I'm just running off the fact that I've listened to them 10 times each this year. So, there is no specific order for these five albums except for number one. There is a number one. There is an album There is an album that is better than all the others on this list. It was fucking exceptional as an album. And that'll be the last one. But the other four, they're all equally as good. I love them. There's no ranking here. But they are. The four of them are better than anything else in the Fruit World from 2023. And they're not quite as good as number one. There you are. So, let's start. First album on the list. Number five, we'll call him. Um, Juan Casillo. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, I know that name. Where have I heard Juan Casillo before? Well, he was on this podcast, I think episode number 11, back in the early days. Juan was my first flute playing guest. And we had a fucking blast in this episode. Juan's a dear friend of mine. So, obviously, I'm going to put him in this list. But also, Juan is a fucking superb flute player. And I, I, I didn't say it enough during the episode with him because it feels weird to look at someone and go, you're fucking class and lick their hole for an hour. But Juan is superb. And I don't think I talked up enough of how good his two albums are that came out this year. But there is one that does stand out way above the other for me just because of the quality of the music. So the album is Juan Casillo playing Gaspar Kumer, Complete Works for Flute and Guitar. It's the first of his two records, okay? You'll find it on Spotify. I think what I like most about this record is Juan's personality. Obviously, I know him very well, but his personality comes out so clearly on this record and in his playing. Um, It's always fun. It's always subtle. But the most important thing is it's never taken itself too seriously. Juan recognizes that he is not playing Bach. He's not playing the Goldberg Variations. He's not playing Beethoven. He's not playing Mahler or Wagner. He's playing a composer that probably none of us know, or maybe bassoon players might know a little bit, and that's it. So he's treating it in that way. Not to say he's not giving the music respect, he is, but he's having fun with it. It's salon music, and it's so much fun. It's easy listening. You can go and just fucking stick it on and play it in the background. I would highly recommend it. It's so easy listening. It's so beautifully phrased. It's so gentle. It's lovely flute playing. It's a blast. And it will. it's nice to go back to that very simplistic air quotations for the audio listeners um simplistic music easy listening just to remind yourselves of how classical music is meant to go 
we can phrase things simply and just enjoy it. Juan is having a blast recording this album. You can hear it. It's a blast to listen to. It's beautiful flute playing. It's great music. It's I'm putting it on this list as well because of the rep. We don't hear the rep before. It hasn't been recorded before. So it's a great album. Um, there is a standout track. I'll give you a standout track for each album on this. But the standout track is the last one. The very last track. It's variations on a theme called La Sentinelle. Gorgeous. Go and listen to it. It's beautiful. So that's the fifth album. Album number four. So the next best flute album of 2023 is by the one, the only, La Magnifique. Reine, pas la reine de la flûte, mais elle est pas loin. Il y a deux reines de la flûte. And Juliette Aurel is the other one. So, yeah, Juliette Aurel released an album this year called Nature Romantique. Um, I will put the names of this down in the description for people who don't speak French, because I speak French, and I'm not going to say it in English for you, because I speak fucking French, man. Um, Nature Romantique. It is a beautiful album. So let me get it up here. So first of all, I've talked about Juliette Aurel on this podcast many, many times. I think she featured in my Daphnis episode when I was doing my top recordings of it. I'm mad for her. She's a wonderful flute player. She plays in Holland at the minute with the um, Rotterdam Philharmonic Orchestra. She's been there quite a while, but she is French as fuck. Oh, oozes class. So the album, yep, Nature Romantique. The cover is the three of them because it's a trio for one of the tracks. Um, Juliette Arel, Emmanuel Bertrand, and Hélène Couvert. That's the three of them, three ladies on this album. The first track is, or the first tune on the album, is the Carl Maria von Weber trio for flute, cello, and piano. So much fun. So much fun. If you haven't heard that piece before, this is the recording to go to. Weber is fucking great. It's so much fun. It's so operatic. It's cheesy. It's brilliant. It's kind of like just after Beethoven period, so we're getting into heavy romantic stuff, but light, easy listening, and fun, and dramatic, and kitsch. In all the good ways. I love it. It's the kind of music you just fucking snigger to yourself. You're like, oh man, that's so cheesy. I love that. Um, there's a couple of... There's a Schubert transcription. Then there is the Reinecke Undine Sonata. And then the Variations on Trockenblumen by Franz Schubert. A very famous piece from the Fruit Repertoire. So there's the tune. And then there's little small tracks, about one minute each, of variations. Different styles to show off what the flute can do if you're not familiar with the piece. So... What I love about this album is, first of all, is Juliette Aurel. And she does this thing, I think I've talked about in this podcast before, and I'm going to find a more eloquent way to put this, but there's this thing that French players do is in between the notes. So I'm talking when they're moving from one note to another, especially in slow music, where they're not going to cut the air, they're going to keep it going, but they're going to taper the end of the first note almost away to nothing, and then really fluidly open the next note with that same ending back in. So the first note goes quiet, almost to nothing. The second note opens from that same volume that the first note ended at and then moves back in. And they do that to a micro scale on nearly every note. So there's never hard lines between notes. There's always this beautiful fluidity, but it's also not a boring straight line of air that they just blow through. They just tease the air and bend the air around each note. It is so subtle, but when you start hearing it, you'll never stop hearing it. And you get this lovely thing as well. You don't get this in albums. You'll hear it when you see them live or watch live videos. But when they finish a note a note, and they keep the air in the flute, even though the last note's been played, you'll hear a little bit of air resonating in the flute because they're so dedicated to getting the sound to go to nothing that they will go to nothing and then stop. So they'll play they'll play a lot, nice long final note. Diminuendo, diminuendo, nothing left. Goes to silence, but they'll still be in the flute, which you would only hear if you were right beside them. Audience members don't hear it. Such is their dedication to making sure their note is accurately greeting away to nothing. It's beautiful. So that's what she does. Apart from that, her sound is warm and rich and creamy and decadent. It's so... Mm, something the American players just don't get. It could be kitsch very easily, but her phrasing and her way of doing musicality is incredibly tasteful. So that lovely mixture of a very romantic, rich, decadent sound with a very tasteful way of phrasing the notes so it's not too much. She'll never play too loud or too quiet or do things too ridiculous or oversell a musical idea just because it's there. That mixture is beautiful. Now, the standout track of this is a real surprise when I listen to this album because I thought the album was going to end with the Trockner and Variations. But the very last track is Die Schöne Müllerin, which is the Trockner Blumen song. 
which Juliette has arranged herself for flute and piano. So you've got the variations from the song. The theme is in there, but the actual original song is now arranged, which originally written for piano and, piano and voice, and now Juliette is playing the piano or the voice part on the flute. So she ends the album with that, which is so weird. It's a great idea because the in, the variations that you could have ended in, the last variation is big and showy and got a proper ending. And suddenly at the end of your album, you're going, no, I'm going to go back to a nice little three-minute song, delicate, simple, gentle, and just end it there, just set it down. And that's what I'm talking about, tasteful. She could have took the easy way out, but she's put that at the end, and it's just magnificent choice. Superb album, as is everything Juliette does. Next album on the list, Emmanuel Bau Romance, with the magnificent Eric Lesage, which is what I'm going to talk about more. Now, any year with an album from Emmanuel Bayou in it is going to be a good flute year. And thankfully, recently, we've been getting a lot of Bayou albums. He's been churning them out. By the way, does anyone else think that we're in like the golden era of Emmanuel Bayou? He seems so much more settled and so much more relaxed, and he's just shooting through gigs and playing different rep, and he just seems to not give a fuck anymore. He just does himself. He's playing rep from other instruments. He's doing whatever concerts he wants, and he's just he's looking good, and he's sounding good, and he's got high energy. And he just seems settled and happy. And I, I feel like we're in the peak Emmanuel Bau era. We're very lucky to be this moment. Maybe not as flashy as he once was, but he's he's maturing like a fine wine man. As if he could get any more mature. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with the current Emmanuel Bau if he just sight read this album. If he just fucking printed out the music and went straight to the recording studio and went, right, let's go, Ahik. We'll do this together. Because honestly, he's just, musically, he's so switched on. Now, we know what we get from Emmanuel Bayou musically. We get a chameleon. We get, if he's playing a certain style of music, he will adapt entirely to that. It's very hard to say what Emmanuel Bayou's musicality is in itself because it changes so often. So the essence of his own musicality is that it's flexible and changes depending on the mood or the writing of the music. So it adapts. It's perfect. And he's just getting better at those adaptations now. There's two, two things that make this album great particularly great because all Bayou albums are great but this one has two reasons in particular number one Eric Lesage so he's the piano player with this he's so underrated man I've met him a few times he's accompanied a lot of top flute players plays in a lot of top flute albums he's kind of became the go-to accompanist for flute players in Europe he's a very humble quiet introverted guy a fucking unbelievable musician and he could be making so many solo albums he's as good as Emmanuel Bayou he's that fucking good and he really makes Bayou sing, and he's got, especially in the more delicate moments, he's so, he's got this beautiful way, beautiful way of weighting chords and keys, again, that is so tasteful and delicate, and never goes over the top, he's again one of these very introvert artist stereotypes, and that comes across in his playing, and it's it's beautiful, especially with this more mature Bayou, and the second reason, the rep of the album, now let me get this up, because I want to get this right, Obviously, Bowie has recorded fucking everything in the flute repertoire. So there's nothing left for him to record. So when it comes to... Is it Sony you make sums with? Or is it Deutsche Grammophon? Um, or Cantor Classic? Anyway, when they come to him and say, Emmanuel, we need a new album. He's going to go, well, I've recorded everything written for the flute. And they go, it doesn't matter. Record something else. So on this album, there's not a single piece that was written for flute. The first piece is Schumann Three Romances. That was originally written for oboe and piano. Now I played on the flute. The next five songs from Fanny Mendelssohn, Felix Mendelssohn's wife, um, obviously written originally for voice, and they've been adapted for flute here. The Schumann Fantasiestücke, which was originally written for clarinet, although Schumann did indicate that it could be played on violin or cello as well. Now it's on flute. Amazing. And then it ends with a Mendelssohn violin sonata played on flute. So in all these different examples, he's taken the main instrument and just playing it on flute. I don't even think it's a transcription. I literally think he's just taking the violin part or the oboe part or the clarinet part and just playing it. Um, the clarinet part, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's just transposing in his head. He's that good a musician. So that's what I love about this album. The rap is so original and when Spyro doing it, why the fuck not, man? Do whatever you want. The standout thing in this album, the last movement of the Fantasiestücke Opus 73, originally written for clarinet. I think that was the period where Schumann checked himself into a mental asylum. He was losing his fucking mind. And you can hear in this track the turmoil, trouble, strife, all those dark emotions. You can hear that clearly in this piece. So go and check that one out if you need to, or if you want to. But 
If you're only going to listen to one track of that album, it's that one. And if you're on Spotify, you want it nice and handy, it's track number 15. The album is called Romances or Romans by Emmanuel Bau, which will be in the description again. Now, next one. Let's rifle through this. I don't know how to say this guy's name, but anyway, the flute player, I do know how to say. Um, Alexis Kosenko. I am such a big fan of Alexis. I am such a massive fan. So he had a new album out this year. Um, let me find it here. I think he had two new albums out this year, but this one I'm going to pick. So it's works by a composer called Eugène Wadier. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. French composer. Nobody knows who the fuck he is. But he wrote a lot of flute shit. So uh, Kosenko's got an album out called Wadier Lyconoclast. Sorry. Lyconoclast. And then it's Chamber Works. So it's a selection of his flute stuff. It's three discs, okay? There's a lot of stuff on it. Now, you haven't heard of Wild Gier. I haven't heard of Wild Gier. It's played on Baroque flute. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Baroque flute. I think it's a niche of a niche of a niche. Classical music's a niche. Flute music is a niche of classical music. And the Baroque flute is a niche of flute music. So it's a niche of a niche of a niche. Normally, I think Baroque flute is dog shit. I think it sounds like nothing you can't hear. And there's a reason why we've got modern instruments. But there are three players in particular who can play anything and they are incredible superior to any modern musician they're that good so that's rachel brown uh bartol Koyikin, and mr alexis kosenko who brought out the album this year so what can i say about this album uh it's easy listening so the period of music this guy was writing while Gier, this composer that kosenko's highlighting his works he was writing just after beethoven so kind of contemporary beethoven a wee bit later wee bit later so 16 or 1866 he died so you get an idea of that. So early 1800s. Um, just post-Beethoven, early romantic stuff, that kind of period. It's all easy listening. It's one of those albums you can just stick on in the background and let all three discs run away. It's all flute works, different arrangements, different solo things, different great musicians. I think uh, Nicolas Badejo is on clarinet in this album somewhere as well. It's incredible. The music isn't the world's best music, but it's not bad either. It's very enjoyable to listen to. Kosenko's an amazing player. Standout track is the slow movement of the D minor trio. It's track seven on disc number two. It's melty, it's gorgeous, it's rich, it's decadent. I don't know what fucking instrument he's playing on here. It's not a Baroque flute. It's probably some kind of classical flute, couple of keys on it. I don't know what he's playing, but whatever it is, it's fucking stunning. He might even be playing a modern flute. I don't even know. I don't know what he's playing. I can't tell. But I know it's very, very good. The best compliment I can give to Alexis Kosenko is I can listen to his albums and this album in particular without having to be in that really particular mood to want to listen to a Baroque flute album, which is a very particular mood for me. It's not something I would just stick on. I have to be high energy and focused and concentrated and I take it almost as an academic task. But with Kosenko, I don't get that. I can listen to it purely for the enjoyment. So go check it out. Now, before I announce number one, really quickly, do you want to know? <laughs> do you want to know what the actual top flute album of 2023 was? In terms of streaming, so this is according to Last FM. Um, I'm gonna put it up here. The actual top flute album. Uh, so I'm getting it up here. It is called Native American Flute Sleep Music. Now the very first track in this album has eight and a half million fucking streams, man. It is dog shit. It's just lullaby with flute and crickets. It's basically just shit people put on to fall asleep. It's dog shit and here's us out here fucking practicing concertos and sonatas and trying to perfect our art form and some cunt is just sorry shouldn't have said a c word um some person has just went up put this out throwing it together and they're probably raking it in through royalties in this album it's unbelievable the amount of money they'll make off this absolute dog shit album i'd love if i could do the same thing so actually on that note if you wouldn't mind indulging me for a quick second in case this does go viral and I can help pay these electricity bills, I'm going to briefly play my flute, first time in this podcast, so I can clip it, loop it, put it on Spotify, and see if I can make millions. Now, it is very late at night, so I'm not going to wake my neighbours up either. But this track is called, what am I going to call it? Native Irish Flute, played by a Native Irish man, while drinking a cola beer. And yes, that is a mixture of beer and cola. That's the start of the track, by the way. (laughs) 
indulging me if that gets 8 million streams this podcast can go fuck itself <laughs> the podcast can go fuck itself 8 million streams that's what I'm hoping for so that was officially not that but Native American folk music of that style I can't play because I got a sting off copyright I'm sure I'd be better off committing fucking war crimes and trying to get <laughs> trying to play a part of this album on my podcast with 8.5 million views <laughs> I'd be getting tried at the Hague for this so I'm not going to play any of it anyway here we are Number one, number one, number one, number one. How much time do we have? Okay, we're at 40 minutes, perfect time. And now before we go on, I know I'm teasing you and I'm not getting there in the end, but last bit of crack here. Uh, what am I drinking? I've said it a few times, I'm drinking a cola beer. This is what homeless people drink in Germany. I think it's fucking delicious. It's basically the cheapest beer you can get and it's mixed with cola, pre-mixed in a can. It's a couple of percent. It's quite strong. You can get it with an energy drink as well. It's scumbag drinks. I love cans and it, I was just in the mood for a cola beer. It's like the cheapest thing you can buy in the shop, but it's fucking delicious. Um, donating to the podcast. The podcast is free. The podcast will always be free. I will never charge at any point for extra content. Everyone will get the same amount of content for free forever and ever ad infinitum. If you would like to support this podcast, you can donate money towards it. It is very appreciated, especially at the minute, because I'm genuinely struggling to put on the fucking lights around here. Thank you, Ryan Energy and the German government for fucking me on that one. So, if you would like to donate to the podcast, there is a link in the description to my PayPal, or what is even probably easier is to head over to my social media pages. In my Instagram, the link in bio, you'll find it all in there, where you can buy me the equivalent of a Dr. Pepper or a pint of beer in your country. So, I would recommend three quid. Three whatever, three pounds, three dollars, three euros, three pesetas if you're still using them, a couple of three francs, three Deutsche Marks, whatever the fuck you want, all right? Three of them, because that's probably what a pint costs in your country or Dr. Pepper. Well, a pint doesn't cost three quid anymore, does it? Half pint. Uh, the reason I say three, listen, I make four episodes of this a month. You're getting an episode every single week, come rain nor shine. So if you think at the end of an episode, fuck, I enjoyed that episode, I got good 45 minutes of entertainment distracting me from the horrors of the world for a little while if i saw gareth in a pub i'd probably buy him a half pint or buy him dr pepper do it digitally it's incredibly appreciated not just from a financial aspect but also from the aspect of giving me motivation and a sense of duty and what's the word i'm looking for where you have to answer to someone anyway whatever that word is it gives me that because I know people are donating to this podcast, it means I'm not going to let them down and not put out an episode. I really, really nearly didn't put out an episode this week. But it's here now. So thank you, you can donate that. Also, while I'm on the subject very quickly, I will be getting your opinion on this over the next few episodes. But I do plan to bring in a Patreon next year. Now, I know I said I'd never bring in a Patreon, but hear me out. The Patreon is basically going to be a subscription service where you will get nothing extra. If you sign up to my Patreon, you will pay £3 a month or €3 a month. It will come out as a payment every month through Patreon. It'll go to me. You will get nothing for it. You'll get fuck all. You won't get any more episodes or anything. But you will be able to donate to the podcast regularly. That's the plan. I know it sounds stupid. Okay, I know you're all thinking, who the fuck's going to sign up for something that they don't get anything out of? But that's what you're doing already. A lot of you do donate regularly anyway, so that's a great way to do that. And you don't have to pay as much. And it means I can have a steady income and know where things are going with in this podcast. It's an idea I'm toying with, okay? But I make this very clear. If it is a Patreon, it will only, only, only be as a way of managing the donations. There will not be any extra content on the Patreon at all, ever. All the content at all times will be 100% free. Anyway, number one flute album of 2023. So the others aren't ranked. I told you that. But this album is. Because god damn it. I cannot tell you how much I fucking love this album. I really cannot sing the praise of this album enough. And it's so good that I will I will be doing an episode on this. On this album and the person that recorded it on its own. Because I was blown away by this. It actually came out quite recently. And everything about it I love. So the best album. The best flute album of 2023, without a shadow of a doubt, winning by a country fucking mind, is California Dreamin' 
by the magnificent Julien Baudimont. Now, let me get round to this album. We're going to start with the cover. If you go look up California Dreaming by Julien, the cover, the font is beautiful. It's not far off the font that I use for the Inline G podcast stuff. It looks like a pop album. It's got him sitting in a very hyper-stylized kind of swimming pool. Looks like Miami, California kind of vibes. Looks very 80s, looks very Grand Theft auto kind of style. It's beautiful. The only slight complaint I'll make about the cover, he's got his bare feet out, man. Dude, we need to stop this, all right? Music does not need feet. Feet are fucking disgusting. Feet are disgusting. You don't need to get your feet out. Never get your feet out for anything. Do not be the people that put videos of you playing barefoot because I actually can't stand feet. They make me sick. If I go to a concert and there's bare feet in it, you've ruined the concert for me. Put your fucking feet away. Especially if you've got big stinking hooves on you. Just put them away. Big fucking stonkers. Like, I have seen some fucking talons when I went to classical music concerts. Especially contemporary music. I have seen some people with fucking rakes in there. No, they're stinking. Put a sock on me and cover it up. It's awful. Big fucking hooves. Anyway, hate feet. But apart from that, it's a beautiful album cover. Now, uh, what else do I love about this? Yeah, it appeals to a modern audience. But it's not shite crossover. Okay, so it does appeal to a modern audience. It could appeal to a non-food player or a non-classical musician very easily. Everything about it, the aesthetic, the rep, the choice and plan. But it's not crossover. It's not shite. And most importantly, it is done by a world-class flute player, which is something we have never had. We have never had a world-class flute player fully commit to this idea of genuinely merging the classical arts with a modern sensitivity. Genuinely merging them. Usually you pander to one or the other. This is genuinely trying to merge the highest points of the two great art forms. So the logo is great, the album cover is great, the choice of rep. I'm going to run you through this album to let you guys know what's on this album. So it's flute and piano, but there is a bit of percussion on it. There's a quat, uh, there's a string quartet on it as well, light orchestration. First track on the album, Another Day of Sun from La La Land. Then it does A Place in the Sun, uh, Angela's theme, which is not A Place in the Sun, the British holiday TV programme. I thought it was that and was very disappointed. It's the Elizabeth Taylor film from the 50s. Then there is a flute and piano arrangement of an American in Paris, the George Gershwin, originally written for orchestra. Fucking all seven minutes of it. Flute and piano. Oh my God. Speedy Gonzalez by Henry Mancini. Um, a couple, a piece by Dias Mio, who also wrote a sonatine for flute, but it's not that. Hans Eisler's songs... Uh, Lujan by Henry Mancini, a bit of Schoenberg, but like light Schoenberg, some John Williams from Catch Me If You Can, The Corn Gold, Serenade, um, Rhapsody in a Theme, Paganini, Hello, by Sergei Hermanov, the variation of the one I'm talking about, uh, No Word from Tom by Stravinsky, uh, Star Spangled Banner, that was the only part of it I didn't like, fucking spark, that's shite, no matter, it's a great arrangement in this album, but no matter what you do with that piece, it's fucking dog shit, fuck the Star Spangled Banner, man. So weird that Americans are so obsessed with that as well. And the fact that you guys do the Pledge of Allegiance and all that's fucking weird. Do you know what I heard this week? Sorry, slight side thing. I only learned that in America they have a thing called an Irish goodbye. And an Irish goodbye is when you leave the party without saying goodbye to anybody. I'm like, what the fuck? That's the opposite of an Irish goodbye. An actual Irish goodbye is you say goodbye to fucking everybody at the party. You take that long getting around them. You might as well fucking stay to the end of the night anyway. You end up going up to people and say, listen, I have to shoot on here. I have to get it going in five minutes. But listen here, you can, I'll give you a ring in the morning. Teller was asking after, here, sure, we can meet up next week. I haven't seen you in fucking ages. And then you're on to the next one. You're like, oh, well, yeah, I have to go on now. Yeah, but uh, don't try and get me back. No, I'll go one more. My, man, an Irish goodbye takes about fucking 45 minutes. Fucking Americans. But anyway, why do you get on? Yeah, you're obsessing with the Spangled Banners, dog shit. Um, the Pledge of Allegiance. You guys do that in school? What the fuck? A weird place, man. But anyway, he put a great arrangement of it. As far as that piece goes, it's a good arrangement. And the last two not is California Dreaming, uh, John Phillips. Yeah. Guys, that track list is incredible. It really is. Um, It's great composers writing great music. It's beautifully weighted as a track list. It appeals to everybody. I cannot rant and rave about this album enough. This is as good as it gets for a flute album. It's the standard album of the last several years for me. Julien Baudimont is one of the best food players in the world. Plays as principal flute with the Opera de Lyon. He played for a while in LA as well as their principal flute. Incredibly respected flutist. Really cool guy. 
and he's making an album that he seems genuinely passionate about. It's beautifully created. It's not crossover. The arrangements are great, and he is playing it as if he is playing Bach or Mozart. He's putting a hundred percent into the playing in this album. I cannot recommend it enough. Go and just fucking listen to it. All right, go listen to it. The standout track is got to be in American in Paris. I've never heard that done for flute and piano before. I didn't think it would work. I was so wrong. Anyone can listen to this album. I really mean that. Non-flute players, non-classical musicians. This album is perfect for everybody. It is stylish and sexy and gorgeous. Just stick it on. Pour yourself a cocktail. If you can get it on vinyl, even better. Or, I don't know, stick on a good set of headphones. But really enjoy yourself with this. Do it on a Friday night. Pour yourself a glass of something special. Have a joint with it. Light up a big fat spliff, man. And just chill out and listen to an exceptional album. It's sexy, it's smooth, it's easy listening, but not, there's some awkward moments on it, there's some weird moments, it's not just, it's not elevator music, but it's so smooth and sexy and stylized and very America, Americana 80s vibe, on flute, by a French flute player, it's exceptional, so there you are, I've got nothing else to say on that piece, because I'm going to do a whole episode on that album, it's exceptional, I'm fucking knackered guys, I am beat out, this album, has, this, this album, this the podcast has come out in 20 minutes. I'm not going to happen. I have to get up tomorrow to go back to the factory. Like the working class hero I fucking am. Although I think the trains are in strike. Ah, well, we'll see. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for supporting this podcast throughout the second half of 2023. It has been a blast. I cannot tell you how happy this podcast makes me. I've got such nice feedback about it. We're on to bigger and better things. Next week will be a guest. The week after that, I think, will also be a guest. I've reached out to a few other people. If there's anyone you really want to hear in this podcast, come and tell me who it is. I will twist their arm and I will get them on. I can't tell you who the guests are in case they pull out and then they look like dicks, but they're good. They're getting bigger and better every week. And we're getting people from different backgrounds and different um, different musical... Sorry, I have to fix my hat, man. That's going to be terrible if I try to make a clip for continuity. Um... Yeah, sorry, my grandmother keeps telling me off that. I don't have anything wrong, it's just a nervous thing. She thinks my hat's too itchy and I got a cheap one off the internet, which I did. Yeah, guys, thank you all for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. It's been a great year. I probably won't get the chance to speak to you directly before the end of the year. It'll be guest episodes and stuff like that, so let me wax lyrical for a minute. I love yous. Thank you very much. These are fucking sound. Have a lovely weekend. I hope yous are all doing your Christmas shopping. I hope it's all sorted. I hope this time isn't too stressful for yous all. It is a stressful time of year everyone's skint nobody has any money at the minute even at the football last weekend i was there the amount of people are like it's been a tough year can't afford fuck all we're all there with you it's a tough year financially none of us have any money if that helps at all i'm working in the factory like the working class here i am so i hope it's not too hard on you i hope you're the kind of person that enjoys this holiday period um whatever religion you celebrate if you're doing hanukkah or christmas or one of those pagan festivals or you're just having a bit of time off i hope you enjoy it i hope you have a great time i hope this weekend you go do something christmasy go watch a wee christmas movie i'm gonna watch home alone i think this weekend or the only fools and horses christmas special i might treat myself to have a lovely weekend guys really be kind to yourselves be gentle yourselves don't go near your facebook for a wee while take a day off that because it doesn't do anyone any good and i will see you all next week for another guest episode big smooches.